Welcome to another episode of the Sparkles of Gold Astrology Manifesto Podcast. My name is Nicolas Polimanakos, a.k.a. Sparkly Person of Gold. This is another episode of Three Questions. I'm here at the Norwalk Conference outside of Seattle. There's a ton of astrologers here. And for this episode, I am with... Ray Sapp of the Mountain Astrology Magazine. Ray... Thanks for coming on the podcast. You don't know the three questions I'm going to ask you. I like to color some of this here because the astrologers don't know and they always have their own look on their face. Like, what's this dude going to ask me? <laughs> and we're sitting in a restaurant booth in the closed part of the conference, the quietest part I could find. So uh, just to color this in here. Um, so are you ready? I'm ready. All right. First question. What's your uh, favorite astrological technique? Favorite astrological technique? I have a hang-up on solar arcs right now. And more... Part of that is literally two weeks ago, I started looking at the Mountain Astrologer's solar arcs, and I hadn't looked at them in a while. And when we launched our redesign, TMA's natal chart has an exact Venus-Uranus conjunction in Sagittarius at the top of the chart. And literally, like, the month we launched the redesign, Venus and Uranus solar arc moved into zero degrees of Aquarius. Oh, wow. You have the perfect <laughs> example of, like, well, how you see solar arcs, like a, a predicament like that. And it's very straightforward and simple. It's not, like, complicated. Yeah. Yes. And before getting to this point of, like, jumping to solar arcs, what was it that this particular synchronicity of events or was it something leading you there like you were just looking at it no definitely my teacher Maurice Fernandez um, in our like deep dive into solar arcs it's just been one of the techniques that I find really reliable Uh around not just prediction but really like the way things manifest in physical time and space and so like sometimes I feel like a transit can be like you read a book or you have a conversation or it's like a feeling you have within whereas I really find solar arcs tend to manifest on a very like palpable yes plane yeah yeah I, I think even if someone didn't know too much about astrology and they're starting to pick an alternative like technique people go to progressions or whatever and it's a form of a progression like solar yes. arcs but it's pretty clear when you hit it and when you see example charts it's super always obvious but it's one of those things too where you're like how come I didn't use this before and I'm never look all the time but it's uh, anyway so okay yeah uh, thank you for answering the first question by the way oh actually before I let that one go before solar arcs like what was another technique that you was like a go to or your favorite or you were connected to or something Dispositors, like final dispositor. Yeah. uh, Is when, and I think that's because it was one of the first techniques my mom taught me of like how to do the chain of command kind of thing. Uh huh. uh -huh. And so, again, as an example for me, like every single planet in my chart essentially comes back to answer to Jupiter and domicile in Pisces. Oh, okay. Ah, you said your Jupiter return? I did. Yeah, nice. Nice. Uh, Okay, thank you for answering the first question. All right, second question. What is your earliest memory connected to astrology? Ooh, okay, so that's hard for me. My mom is an astrologer, Mm -hmm. and I say that I have been studying arguably since birth. 
Um, and so I have. I, I consider it a first language. And I don't have, a, you know, like most people have like, oh, my first reading or my first introduction to a horoscope. Like for me, astrology was taught to me right along with how to use a fork. And so it's hard for me to pinpoint like that one first moment. But in particular, my first Saturn square was when we like really started studying where like I was always obsessed with like looking at charts with her and stuff. But she was like, okay, you're going to start with this book. Go read everything about Aries. Report back. Nice. It's so interesting because, you know, from these three questions interviews I do in astrologers, a story when the first memory is, then there's this whole pocket of people that were like you that just was born into it. And I think about my own life or a lot of other people's lives where they're completely different situations where mine wasn't like this, like I couldn't even say the word or was outlawed or whatever. But people come from backgrounds where it was like heresy, you know? And then for you, it's just like a regular thing where your first Saturn Square is a bit deeper study. It's like, you know, like that's not normal, right? But it was normal for you. Yes. Right. So, you know, I, I always find it interesting. And I mean, you don't have to answer this per se, but... Is there a connection between your mother's chart and your chart? I'm curious. Yes, many connections. Yeah, is there one um, predominant one? One, that- one of the ones that we used to always talk about, and this is actually me, my mom, and my sister, because we grew up like, primarily just the three of us, is we have a grand trine with our moons. I'm an Aquarius moon, mom's a Gemini moon, and sister is a Libra moon. Oh, wow. Mm. That's fascinating. So, yeah. yeah. So in a sense, you, you, you put words or technique and stuff uh, in, in a uh, outside world way, looking at the charts of how you're connected, even though you already know you're connected by blood and other ways, right? But I could see that's interesting. Out of, well, and I also uh, like to look at like repeating um, signatures and family charts. And so um, me and my mom both all have um, Neptune, Saturn, Uranus on our angles. So oh. she has Neptune, Saturn on her ascendant, and Uranus on the midheaven. And I have Saturn, Uranus on my ascendant, and Neptune square the midheaven. Oh, wow. So, so. yeah, I see. Now I see what it is growing up. <laughs> like, y'all know each other's charts, you're studying, and then you have this, like, intertwining, mesh thing. There's no separation. Uh, fascinating. Again, I always would wonder, like, what if I was born into an astrological family? Like, what would my life be like? You know, it wasn't until later, you know, stuff like that, but... Thank you for answering the second question. Third question lasts. I guess it's last. We'll see. What's a book you're reading right now? A book or books you're reading right now that have nothing to do with astrology? Well, I feel like the ones that I'm both... And okay, I'm listening to two books at the moment. Sure. Because that's what I, it allows me to multitask. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so I actually just finished um, The Flowering Wand by Sophie Strand Mm -hmm. and I literally wept through the entire thing driving home and part of it was she pulled on so many things that I wanted to see come alive in a book and in particular of the rewilding the masculine Mm -hmm. I have such a um, deep sensitive part of my heart that really feels like patriarchy has actually collapsed the masculine more than it has collapsed anything else Mm -hmm. and to really you know take it out of the masculine has only essentially been given like two story arc roles which was like hero and rapist and really kind of taking different approaches to that but in particular she talks about the Dionysus myth and I love the way the Dionysus myth um, really intersects with like Pan and our idea of the devil and how that has actually been really distorted in that it comes from this idea of pleasure cults but so that Dionysus known while absolutely a multi-gendered non-gendered god 
often seen as masculine or identify, we identify Dionysus as masculine. But so as the god of wine and pleasure is the only god that does not have a rape mythology associated with him. Ah. And you would think that if you're going to find the rape mythology somewhere, it would fall in the pleasure and the wine. Right, yeah. And so again, actually really restructuring our psyche around how we have glorified suffering and vilified pleasure and how we flip that in our own psyches to come back to that place of being embodied and being able to connect with consent. Yes. And consent being number one and how radically hot consent is. Yeah, yeah. And I, 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 I think about consent and what it is at many different levels and even in the sense of like, if I go back to my past of like, and this is before consent has been very out in the open here the last, I don't know how many years, five to ten years maybe slowly especially really outside in culture now, but even before learning and what that is, as someone, as, as a straight man, and what I was taught with, and it, or didn't even realize what was ingrained in me. You don't realize until certain situations, relationships, interesting predicaments, uh, it, uh, uh, even within a make-out session to, like, what going on a date is. Like, all these weird things you care and you don't know. Like, on my end, so... Um, and I just really like what you said about Dionysus is the only one that doesn't have that story of a kidnapping or rape and stuff. I never really thought about that way, but it's true. It's true. So. And what I love is she really talks about, like, it's about being brought into play. Yes. And that's what it is, like, dancing with the universe, playing with the universe. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, the freedom involved, what play does, and the discovery of play, in a sense... Sometimes, too, if I were to say where there's no rules, depending on who you're talking to and where they're coming from, that is, like, forbidden. Like, no rules, you know, and what people are carrying with that. There's got to be rules. There's got to be boundaries. There has to be this. And at the same time, in order for safety and protection and, like, dealing with patriarchy and how it's affected everybody, there are boundaries. There are certain things that we have to respect and adhere to. But it's not com- it doesn't have to be completely polarized in the way we've been taught, right? Yes. And so that makes sense. Like, so like with play, the give and take and, and, and the way things can open up in ways of not thinking completely black and white or completely binary, you know, so. There, okay, that's a book you're checking out as of late. I'll, I'll do this, which I do on the podcast. It's like the fourth question, but it's connected. It's been a book in your life in the past that you took in and just changed you forever, like hit your heart, like hit your core, you know? Yes. Oh, man. I feel like there are so many books in my world, but one in particular, uh, The Body Keeps the Score. Yes, I know that book. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it kind of goes into a lot of the things that I'm deeply passionate about but again the embodiment but how to access the things that live inside us and again being primarily um, bent towards evolutionary astrology and past life theory of where things accumulate in our body over time Mm -hmm. and in particular about memory and how we understand that um, not remembering is a trauma response. And that in the same way that if, you know, you have a wound and your body can't handle the pain, you black out. And that is a part of your body protecting itself. It's like, okay, it shuts down. In that same way of if a memory is causing that same amount of pain or that experience, it's going to shut it down. It's going to encapsulate it. It's going to isolate it. Um, And so... 
where it like hits the heart is really in that space of like how to connect with people in moving through those traumas because it's not something that's simple or easy or and it's going to take time and how to unpack it and again where it lives in the body and especially us as astrologers we can get so in here in our minds and up in theory and it's like how do we bring that back to our lived physical experience yeah you know uh, just so you know the people listening we were talking earlier off the record about embodied and connecting uh, to nature again in a way or rediscovering it in a sense for me personally if I think about the Uranus and Taurus transit you know we want to think about something new and, and, and Jupiter now is in Taurus that kind of thing like it's finances and cryptocurrency and, and, and food sources and all that and it's true but for me I've always been I've been talking about how it's almost what what the revolution or something new is is actually nothing new at all it's coming back to our like inherent right to experience the universe and the world through our senses and our connection to nature and where it takes us and and our our how intertwined we are always we always are but we have maybe forgotten because of technology because of society because of the rules all that like it, it's the separation from uh, from uh, with our senses the separation and not only that what it leads to separation with others Absolutely. We live in a really estranged culture at this point, and there's so many different ways in which we need to create those access points back to each other. Yes, yes. And it can be so simple as like, doesn't this smell good? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) and and we're like, creating the memory with yourself or with another person or groups of people smelling that, and and it's a beautiful memory, something that we're going to store anything in our body, right? Yes. Some store amazing, beautiful. wide open infinite something back into is where divine love is always around us and always there it's always there but we forget you know and, and like and we look for solutions and we look for whatever and sometimes people are like man we're coming up with some new age talk or whatever right but really it's the truth and and this isn't new this has always been if you look in myth and archetypes in all different cultures there's always this thing of divine love in many different ways whether it's like within one god or goddess or many there's this act going to accessing that or, or to petition towards or, or whatever and that it is completely natural it is completely our divine right right as human beings so um, anyway I but I know that book Body Keeps the Score and I, I also will say too some people don't like the book because it's intense in these ways in the and way I was going to say it's not an easy read no. and I do warn people that it's not easy to listen to this is someone who again interviews people who have experienced severe trauma from you know war to you know rape and so it's not easy to hear the stories and if you are sensitive to those things definitely go into it with caution but Again, for me, I'm a very scorpionic being. Being able to hold the whole spectrum of experience, and in particular to know that we are here for the whole spectrum of experience. We're here for yeah. the exultant to the horrific and how to be present with it. I mean, it's interesting. I think uh, some of where we've gone in this conversation, too, when we're talking about Dionysus and Strand's book, you know, all that, but I think this just the thing, too, sometimes we can forget of what it means to uh, embody or remediate or to move through things and you know and especially some of the things that you supposedly wouldn't take on a story or archetype or play a character or a planet or whatever and especially for you starting to discover that lost memory within yourself or your body right with trauma and then you get to these places and 
it's the defense mechanism. Your body's trying to take care of yourself. At the same time, you have this other thing in you, depending on your past, to run away from it, to suppress it. But you, one of the most ancient things is always to move through or to sweat out or to purge out, right? Or what I love, Caroline Casey always says, I think in a Plutonian thing, if you have a problem, make it bigger. And it's almost that idea of, again, in so many ways we're taught in our culture to seek alleviation, but alleviation through almost like suppression or masking. And it's like that actually kind of extends that feeling of suffering versus the if you go fully into it, like let yourself go to the bottom of the grief or the bottom of the trauma or the body, like bottom of the hurt, like feel it all the way and you will process it faster than it, again, the like... Yeah, and it's so hard when you're in spaces when there's fear and pain and all that to go like go through it and and it's to think that it, it, when you're in it and a mesh it uh, touches you in these emotional places to think that that it would be you're gonna go through it faster like move through it faster it just doesn't compute when you're in those places and habitual responses is tough you know it, it, it's hard but but I am totally down with that train of thought or way of being. Thank you for answering the third-ish, fourth question. <laughs> um, uh, where can people find out more about you? You can find more about me at the Mountain Astrologer Magazine, where I'm the publisher. Um, however, that is where we absolutely platform and celebrate all astrologers. Um, if you'd like to find just my work, it's thewitchwaycafe.com. And um, I pull on what I call, it's from Viennese coffee culture, Vienna, um, but it's the idea of a place where time and space are consumed, but only coffee is found on the bill. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. so all my sessions are um, named after like essentially having a drink together, uh, um, yeah. but really kind of going into the past life story. And then we will be launching what is called the Neptune Underground soon as kind of a counterpart to the Mountain Astrologer magazine, where we're going to be focusing a lot on like the confessional astrology movement. And again, how to let things live outside of your body somewhere else. It's so cathartic to be able to tell our stories. Um, and again, it's going to be the Astrobation Station and Weird Transit Stop. And we are going to talk about all things taboo and really play with astrology. And here we are where we ended up from the beginning to everything we talked about. And we got here to the end of what you're talking about, what you're going to launch. And this more of uh, this other ways of expressing and connecting with astrology. I don't know what the word non-traditional ways or what was become normal, but pushing the boundaries and really getting back to uh, what I think is natural, what the human spirit is really all about. Absolutely. And again, reclaiming these bodies, there's so much, again, around the language in our culture where we are uncomfortable with just the natural functions of the body and how to connect with one another about just our innate humanness and what it means to occupy a flesh bag yeah 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 <laughs> i feel that thank you so much for co- for coming on the podcast and 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 not knowing what we were gonna i was gonna ask you uh, and, thank and, you for taking me into this booth and asking me these questions <laughs> <laughs> i was walking i ran into you i'm like you come over here you're gonna trust me we're gonna go to where i talk and you're like you're like okay i'm like trust i'll you. ask you three questions <laughs> so thank you for trusting just in the process. Very, you know, Aladdin Jasmine moment. Do you trust me? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. And I, I have to, you know, it's, it's funny that with something like this, too, like 
talk to you and ask you in a certain way and everyone's different right like how you approach like how I do this I approach like I can't tell you what the three questions are you do this and everyone's different like what are you gonna ask like what are you gonna what kind of corner are you gonna put me into or or whatever but people get to know me I, I I do I do have this in me where I can I know and I can read someone and approach them in a way where no, it's not going to be harmful. It's going to be cool. Trust me. We're going to have fun with this, you know. And everybody d- does. They find out like, oh, thank you. That was cool, you know. So thank you. Thank yeah. you. 